Our message today, I'm entitled, What's Growing in Your Garden? Now, I could say that this is a message about gardening, but I guarantee it's not. It's really about our lives and looking at the soil of our lives. Remember, Jesus teaches a parable. And he says the seed is all the same, that God's seed goes into all of our lives, but the soil's different, that each of us are responsible for the soil of our life. Remember that? He talks about some being rocky soil and, and some having weeds, which we're going to talk about. And, and, of course, the goal is to have healthy soil, to, to have fertile ground where God's Word comes into our life and can make a difference because we hear it, we understand it, and it changes us. Amen? Versus we hear it, we understand it, we get excited about it, and then we do nothing about it. Another way I like to put it is don't listen to a morning message with your elbows. That's where you jab the person beside you and say, hey, Pastor Stan had something good to say to you today. Let's listen to it for ourselves. What is God speaking to me? But first, I would like to play a little bit of Jeopardy with all of you. Do we have any Jeopardy fans in the house? Okay. As you know, I give the answer, you give me the question. I'll give you a, a, a hint. Our message this morning is on the, the book of Esther. Let's try the first one. What is the only book in the Bible? No, this book of the Bible never mentions God. You've got to ask the question. What is Esther? Let's do that together. Very good. You're catching on. Let's try this one. This book of the Bible, along with Ruth, is the only book not named, af named after a woman. Right. Ruth and Esther, the two books of the Bible named after women. We're getting good. This book of the Bible started the holiday Purim, which nobody in Faith Community Church has any idea what it is anyhow. You're doing good. You, you, you get, let's try that. What is Esther? Try last one. Let's see if we get on this one. The name of Pastor Stan's 1961 Ford Fairlane. Exactly. My first car was named Esther. had nothing to do with the scripture. It's just a name I chose out of thin air. We'll try Jeopardy another time. I don't know a lot about gardening. In fact, I don't really like gardening. You can ask my wife. She does all the gardening at our house, and she has beautiful gardens. And it probably is because of my mom. Sorry, mom, but I'll tell the truth. When I was a kid, my mom had gorgeous gardens. In fact, people would stop by our house in the little town of Weinmer, North Dakota, and they would stop and they would take pictures because in this little town with under 500 people, my mother had over 30 rose bushes. It was lovely garden, perfect lawn the whole bit. I went back last summer to my home and went back to see the house that I was raised in. And sometimes I think this is a message for another day. When we do something good and something positive, it lasts long beyond us. The most beautiful gardens and the most beautiful lawn in that little town is owned by the person who now lives in that house who's also a gardener. You see, sometimes when we start something, it just continues and it goes towards others. 
And I think that that's a message that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but it is a reminder for all of us. When we do the right things, when we live the right ways, it extends far beyond our own lives as we make an impact of others. Now, why did I not like gardening? Because my mother had a task for me to do. We'll see if you can ask, answer that. Okay, I'll try it this way. The task Stan's mother had for him to do in the garden, what is... You got it. That's all she wanted me to do was pull the weeds. One year, my mom bought something she called firebush. She thought it was lovely. It was a pretty red plant, and she was very proud of it. And the next year, she noticed that it had spread a little bit, which she didn't think much of, but she pulled some of it back and said, oh, that's interesting that it spread so much. The next year, it completely took over our yard, our garden, and she was so upset. She went back to the place where she bought the original firebush, and they said, oh, we never should have sold that. We found out it's a weed that spreads very quickly. That's what weeds do. Usually, however, it wasn't the weeds in the garden that my mom had me pick. She had a much better task for me. She had me pull the weeds in our lawn. Now, my mom always said there was two kinds, of weed, two kinds of grass that she had to get rid of. I've never quite figured out which was which. One she called quack grass and one she called crab grass. I went and I looked it up online. I read about it. I was just as confused as when my mother explained it to me. All I know is one of the grasses had very thin little roots that went along the ground and it was easy to pull out, and I love pulling that out. Just pulled it out and it was done. That's how some weeds are in our lives. They come out easily. It's a little change that we need to make, and it doesn't really take that much to do it. But the difficult weed was the one that had what she called a long taproot that went down really, really deep into the ground. Now, my mom bought for me, special gift, probably for a birthday gift, um, this wonderful weed-pulling tool that was this long thing that you would dig down into the ground, had a little fork on the end, to get that entire taproot out, because what she would always explain to me is if you didn't get the entire root out and you left just a little bit, that weed would come right back. The other stuff, all you had to do was get it out of your garden because it was actually an annual and it would seed itself. And so as long as you got it out by the fall, you were okay as long as those seeds didn't grow. But that taproot was much more difficult to get out. Sometimes she'd send me out to the yard to weed and I'd come back in about 10 minutes and say, get it all, I got it all. And she said, no, you didn't. There's no way you could get it out that quickly because you've got to dig those deep, deep roots out. I think we know where we're going, don't we? Sometimes our lives are like that. We have those weeds in our life. Some of them are easy to get rid of. Those things that latch on to our lives that keep us from living the best life that God would have us to live. And sometimes they change very quickly and very easily, and we feel good about it. In fact, we almost feel like we've done it ourselves. I made a change, and it's gone well. And other times there are these things that just persistently come back because there's a deep, long root, and it needs to be eradicated. And we need to do our part, but we also need to acknowledge that then we trust God to do his part. I like to put it this way. God does for us what we can't do for ourselves. You see, holiness or sanctification or purification of our lives is not something that we do. I've heard far too many pastors say, you and I need to change the bad things in our life. Well, actually, that's not true. We need to dig and work at them and identify them, but we need to let God do that work. Hear the difference? We cannot change it. 
We have a responsibility, and there's things we need to do to get at them, and we certainly need to identify those weeds, but in the end, we also need to trust and pray to God and trust for the Holy Spirit to make those changes. Amen? Because God can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. That gets me to the story of Esther. The book of Esther is one of Pastor Stan's two favorite books in the Bible, the other one being Philippians. I love the book of Esther because it's such a real story about how flawed people get weeds in our life and we aren't even aware of it and how much destruction we can do to ourselves and others. You see, the story of Esther takes place in a time when the children of Israel have been led into captivity. They were taken over by the Babylonians, and now the Medes and the Persians have come and conquered the Babylonians, and now we find ourselves in the Persian Empire. And a young Jewish woman named Esther, through a whole series of events, becomes the queen of Persia, but there's a problem. There's a weed in her life. She doesn't tell anybody that she's Jewish. She keeps it secret. I like to say this way, we are as sick as our secrets, amen? I'm going to say that again, we are as sick as our secrets, amen? amen? And yet we do that. So we go to work and we're a Christian, but we don't let anybody know that we're a Christian. doesn't mean we have to be obnoxious about it, but all of a sudden people are making all kinds of assumptions on us because they just figure that we go along with what everybody else believes even though we don't. We don't need to fight with people, but we certainly need to be self-defined on who we are, what our convictions are, and what we believe. We find ourselves like Queen Esther. And then the story tells us about another guy who's got really bad weeds in his life. His name is Haman. Because now that Queen Esther is a queen and nobody knows that she's Jewish, Haman becomes the second most powerful person, the second most powerful man in the Persian Empire. And he has another guy named Mordecai, who is the uncle to Esther. And people think that because Mordecai's done something great, he's going to be advanced in the kingdom, but instead Haman is. But Haman is full of weeds in his life. He's got anger. He's got bitterness. He's got jealousy. And one day he says, everybody needs to bow down to me. And people start bowing down to him, but Mordecai won't because Mordecai is a faithful Jewish man and he bows down to no one but who? God. And God alone, just like in our lives. Our allegiance is to God, to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we're here, because we are Christians and that's who our ultimate allegiance is. And now what happens with Haman is he gets angry, he gets bitter, he gets jealous, and he goes to the king, and he gets a decree that gets sent out to the entire empire that says that everybody needs to bow down. They don't bow down. Again, Mordecai doesn't. And now he goes back to the king and says to him, these people, these Jewish people, they need to be eradicated. That was based on lies that somehow they're not being loyal to, to the king where they are. But now a lie goes out, and it spreads, and within a year, the entire nation finds out that every Jewish person is going to be put to death. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Very close to what happens in the Holocaust. In fact, the book of Esther is frequently not that well-known in Christian churches, but trust me, it's well-known in Jewish synagogues, because it's a reminder of God's faithfulness to eventually save these people and keep God's people moving forward. So now Mordecai, who's Jewish, comes to Esther and says, Esther, you can do something about this, and of course, 
Esther has weeds in her life. She hasn't been honest. She hasn't been truthful. And it's hard all of a sudden when somebody's deceived somebody and acted like they're one way to all of a sudden say, well, I kind of was putting on a front here. I sort of am a little bit of a phony, and I really believe this. Hear, hear the conflict that happens in our lives? If I'm not able to be myself and be truthful and honest about who I am, there comes a time in every one of our lives where we need to be able to be truthful and honest. And it's a whole lot harder if we've let that weed grow and we haven't allowed God to eradicate that in our life. So one of the things that we learn about weeds is weeds grow. That's their natural tendency. That's what they did in Esther's life. That's what they did in Haman's life. And I'm sorry, folks, that's what they do in our lives, too. If we just ignore the weeds, the things that we know that God needs to change in our lives, whether it be some attachment and addiction, whether it be some behavior, whether it becomes some attitude, some bitterness, some refusal to apologize, some refusal to forgive, it doesn't matter what it is. The natural tendency of weeds is to grow. In chapter 3 of the book of Esther, we are told about how lots were cast in Haman's presence. These lots were called Purim to determine the best day in the month to take action. Now remember, the action is to get rid of all the Jewish people. This comes because this guy Haman wants to get rid of all these people based on a lie, based on a conspiracy, based on deceit. And the day was selected was March 7th, nearly a year later. Don't miss that. Right now, decisions made, and we're going to see what happens in a whole year. In verse 8, we're told that Haman approached the king and said, There's a certain race of people scattered throughout the province of your empire who keep themselves separate from everyone else. Their laws are different from those of any other people, and they refuse to obey the laws of the king. Another lie. Not true. Again, that's what weeds do in our lives. Sometimes we even believe our own lies, don't we? If we don't tell the truth and we're not living honestly, we start thinking that the things that we're saying must somehow be true because we've heard them said a hundred times. They came from our own mouths. So it is not the king's interest, he says, to let them live. And then in verse 12, on April 17th, the king's secretaries were summoned. A decree was written exactly as Haman dictated. It was sent to the king's highest officers, the generals of the respective provinces, to the nobles of each province and their scripts and their languages. The decree was written in the name of the king who sealed it with his own signet ring. Dispatchers were sent by swift messengers into all the provinces in the empire. Do you see what happened to the lie? It starts with the guy Haman's head. It goes to the king. It's a year later, and it's spread throughout the entire kingdom. And now you can imagine what it is to be Jewish at that day, because now everybody says they're evil, they're bad, they're disrespectful, they don't follow the laws, which is all lies. It was all based on deception. A plot to literally wipe out the Jewish race based on lies was a weed and it spread because that's what they do. The weeds in our life hurt us and they hurt others. Within a year, power and ego had led to prejudice, which leads to deceit, which hurts people. That's why as you look in Scripture, you find so many things about these weeds. We have another word for them. It's a three-letter word, sin. The misdeeds, the missteps, the things that we say that 
Sin means we are not perfect and we can acknowledge our imperfection and say, God, you need to change this in my life because I'm not perfect. I don't get it all right and I don't need to pretend that I am. Amen? Proverbs 26, verses 18 and 19 reminds us of how bad the weed of deception is in our life. When Solomon says, just like a madman, Shooting deadly weapons is someone who lies to a friend and says, I was only joking. You see, the things that we do, if they're not filled with integrity and honesty, if they're not God's best for our lives, spread and hurt. And in this case, the proverb says, if you're being deceptive, it's like taking an arrow and putting it with a flame on the end and shooting it out at thatched houses all over the place. It's hard for us to imagine, but think of what that meant in the ancient world. It would destroy an entire village, and we wouldn't know where it goes. This last week, my lovely wife was out in the front yard with her grandchildren, and she was teaching them something that every little kid needs to know. It's how to pick those things that used to look like dandelions, and now they're all white because they've gone to seed. And Ruby and Henry thought it was so fun to blow those little seeds and shoot them all over the yard. Please remember, it's my wife who does the gardening. If she wants dandelions in her yard, that's her business, amen? But here's the point. You can't get those seeds back. That's like the weeds in our life. They just go out. They just shoot out. Maybe they feel fun. Maybe they feel like a little kid blowing dandelions. But that's a metaphor for the stuff in our lives. You see, the weeds grow. If we don't deal with them and if we're not honest and we're not able to say, God, I need a change in this life and this is something I need to deal with, it ends up hurting us and it ends up hurting others. In fact, in the New Testament, Paul says to Titus in chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, if people are causing divisions among you, give a first and then a second warning. In other words, he's saying if you have weeds in your church, If there are people saying bad things or rumoring about each other or spreading gossip or saying things they shouldn't, give them a warning. Give them a second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them. For people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sin condemns them. Paul's saying, get rid of the weeds in your life, in your church, in your family. Don't tolerate it. Don't encourage it. Don't keep it going. Paul didn't say fight back. He said, find your voice and move on. You see, if we're in a company where things are not going well and we see things that are a weed in that company, we need to speak up and say something, but it doesn't mean we need to sit around and fight with everybody. If we see something in our family where we need to take a stand, we need to take a stand and say something. But it doesn't mean that then we need to just keep it going and going and going because then we quit being part of the solution and we become part of the problem. But Paul says there is a point to stand up and say, I won't tolerate this. I won't be part of this. I pray for Faith Community Church that our church could be a place where when gossip is ever heard, we'll say, we don't gossip here. We don't do that. We don't say that about one another. If I have something to say to somebody, I'll go talk to them. If I have a problem with somebody, I will speak up and and share my concern with them. I pray that for our families. How healthy would our families be if we could learn to deal with the weeds in our family and in our own lives? 
But there's a problem. It's called fear. Let's name it. It's fear. I'm afraid to deal with that in my life. I've tried before and I've failed. Well, here's the secret today. Who gets rid of the weeds in our life? God. We do our part, but God gets rid of them. We do our part, we pray and we trust, and the Lord gets rid of them in our lives. And fear is what keeps us immobilized. In fact, I like to say that fear is a miracle grow for weeds. Anybody in here use miracle grow? We're going to talk about it in a few minutes. It makes things go really fast. In verses 10 and 11 of chapter 4, Esther relayed this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without first being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his golden scepter. And the king has not called me to come for 30 days. So Esther has been told by Mordecai, listen, you are a Jewish woman. You are my niece. You are the queen. There's a problem in the kingdom. The king is going to have everybody who's Jewish killed step up and speak. And she's got weed in her life. She's been dishonest. She's not told people who she is. And now it's like that weed's on Miracle Girl because it's completely taken over her life. And she's so filled with fear, she says, I'm afraid to do it. Think of that. Thousands of people are going to die, and the queen says, I'm afraid. Not my problem. And she's the only one who can do something about it. Recently, my daughter-in-law, Laura, and I were at a store because she was wanting to buy little pots for her kids at, at school. She's a first-grade teacher. And she was getting the dirt, and one of the dirts said, miracle Grow dirt. I go, honey, that is the dirt you want. Because you see, miracle Grow is full of nitrogen, and nitrogen makes things grow quickly. So if you have a hard time growing something, put miracle Grow on it, and it'll grow. It doesn't mean it's going to be healthier. It's not really fertilizer that's going to make it better, but it does make things grow quickly. So we find the same thing. If you have a plant that, that won't give you nice flowers, you put miracle Grow on it, and it's, it's like a miracle. Wow, it grows. But if you put miracle Grow on weeds, guess what happens to the weeds? They grow too. Fear is like miracle Grow for weeds. Hear that? If I'm afraid to deal with stuff in my life, if I'm afraid to do the right thing, if I'm allowed fear to take over my life and I can't confront the things in my life, it's like they're going to double and triple and quadruple and go all over the place. And that's what happened to young Esther. She was afraid. If I say anything, I'll die, she said. That wasn't true. That wasn't true. She was a queen. She was loved by the king. And you'll find that when she goes and she talks to the king, it's going to be okay. But at this moment in her life, it's just completely destroyed her ability to find her voice. This could happen to us. Is there a time that you need to face others and you're afraid to speak up? Learn to speak up. It doesn't get any easier, folks. It does not get easier to just wait it out and hope that maybe next time I can speak up. Is there something in your life that God has convicted you and you need to deal with? It's not going to be easier to deal with next week. It's not going to be easier to deal with two years from now. It's easier to deal with now because, again, the weeds in our life are on miracle growth. That's called Satan, and that's what his business is. He wants to take you down, and he wants to take me down. He wants to destroy our lives, and he wants us to be totally worthless as Christians. 
The Holy Spirit is God working in our lives for us to grow in our faith and our godliness and to become more Christ-like, but never forget there's one who's putting miracle grow on the weeds in your life. And when we allow fear to take over, we don't deal with those things. What is the opposite of that? It's called being honest. I like to say, what we need to deal with, if it's something we need to speak up about, we need to learn to be firm, fair, frank, and friendly. We need to learn to say what we mean, mean what we say, but not be mean when we say it. Because lies are not only what we say, folks, it's also what we don't say. You hear that? Lies are not only what we say. It's those times that we give the impression that we believe something that we don't, or that we're going along with the crowd when we aren't. And that's all that Esther did. She didn't tell the king she was of a different nationality. She just didn't tell him that she was Jewish. Kind of an interesting thing about your wife, you know. I'd, I'd like to know like, that my wife came from Ohio. She told me that. In fact, I visited Ohio before I married her. Queen Esther was afraid. She was chosen to be queen, and so she thought she'd just keep her mouth shut and let everybody figure out what they wanted to figure out. But it's not only dishonesty in our life, it's all the stuff that needs to change. And I'm not here to tell you what God has convicted you of in your life, amen? I'm going to say that again. I am not here to tell you what God has convicted you of in your life, amen? Who's responsible for that? I am. Let's say that together. I am. Pastor Stan does not need to walk through the congregation today and say, here, I'd like to tell you what the sin in your life is that you need to deal with. I'd like to tell you about some weeds that need to change. That's not my job. That's the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. To help us see those areas of our life that are blindness, to hear the people who have spoken truth to us, and to be able to once and for all say, God, I need to deal with this. Otherwise, we become like that children's story that we all learned when we were kids. It's called the emperor's new clothes. We remember that story. The emperor gets the new clothes. Only what's the problem with him? He didn't have any clothes. He was naked. And he walked around the kingdom and everybody said, Wow, those are amazing clothes because everybody was afraid. They couldn't speak up to the emperor. And everywhere he went, people would say, Man, those are beautiful new clothes you have until finally a little girl snickers and points and says, the emperor has no clothes. You see, that's what fear does in our life. It keeps us from confronting what we need to confront. The entire story of Esther, and I pray that you'll go home and read it, is a very easy to read Old Testament story reminds us that when we are afraid and we don't deal with the stuff in our life, we become like Esther, we become like Haman, we start letting these things take over, and then we don't like where we are. And we say, how did I get here, and how come God's not doing his best in my life? And all the while, we're responsible to have some courage and trust that the Holy Spirit really will do his work in our lives. Because that's what God wants for you. God doesn't want you and me to be struggling with the things in our life that, that, like I often think about, years ago I was in Lincoln, Rhode Island, and we had a stone wall, and some stones had fallen off the stone wall, and every year I knew I should put the stones back, but I didn't, and another stone would fall, and I always liked New England stone walls, and everybody's stone wall looked perfect, but mine didn't, 
And then one day I said, I'm just going to go fix the stone wall. And what happened when I picked up those stones? There's all kinds of crawly little ugly things under there. That happens in our lives, folks. That's what happens when we don't allow God to deal with the stuff in our lives that need to be dealt with. Truth is our best weed killer. Honesty. Learning to be truthful. Whether it's God speaking his truth to us, our speaking our truth to ourselves, our listening to what somebody else has pointed out to us, or our speaking up and telling somebody else what we need to be able to say, firm, fair, frank, and friendly. Verses 13 and 14 of chapter 4. Mordecai, the uncle of the Jewish queen who nobody knows is Jewish, sent this to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the place, the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were queen for such a time as this. Those are penetrating words that this loving, caring, honest uncle sends to his niece. Honey, he says, God's going to save these people because God's God and God's in the business of doing his work. Now you get a choice. Do you want to be part of the problem or do you want to be part of the solution? Isn't that the same thing that God says to you and me every day of our life? Do you want to be part of the problem or part of the solution? Do you want God to deal with the stuff in our lives so that we can be of use to God or do we want to just be fearful and allow those things to take over until one day we just don't even recognize the person that we are. This text is often quoted as, for such a time as this, I like to say that what Mordecai was saying is, you have a voice, now use it. You have a voice, now use it. You see, weeds require honesty. They require us to be truthful about ourselves and about others. If you visit Washington, D.C. and go see the Holocaust Memorial... You'll see a quote by Martin Niemöller. It was a Lutheran pastor who didn't speak out until it was too late during World War II. And then he famously said, first they came for the socialists, but I didn't speak out because I wasn't a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, but I didn't speak out because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak out because I was not a Jew. And then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak out for me. In our lives... There's stuff that needs to be dealt with. There's things that God convicts us of, and we have to be honest about it. It doesn't make us bad people or worse than someone else. It doesn't mean we go through life and put our head down and say, oh, woe is me, I'm just a horrible, awful sinner. It means, no, I see the grace of God working towards holiness in our lives to make us in the image of Jesus Christ. Do you hear that? That's what God's plan is for us to conform us to the image of his son. That is a high calling, folks. God can't say anything better about us than that you and I mattered so much that he gave his very son to die on the cross for us, to provide forgiveness for us, that we could be transformed and to become like him. Amen? Amen. There's nothing better. And so we don't look at the weeds of our life and say, I'm a bad person. We say, I'm a loved person. Because God wants the best in my life as he wanted it for Haman and he wanted it for Queen Esther. Unfortunately, what happened in Haman is he never dealt with the weeds in his life 
And eventually he got it to the point of where they constructed a gallows that they were going to kill this guy Mordecai who went to Esther and told her to speak out. And now all the truth comes out. And guess who loses his life? It's Haman. The very anger and bitterness and jealousy that he exuded towards others came back and ravaged him and took his own life. Sin does that. When we excuse it, when we think it's something that doesn't need to be dealt with, it comes back double and triple on us. And so God says there's a softer and an easier way to confess our sins and to allow God to deal with that stuff in our lives, to realize that truth is truth and God's desire for us is to have healthy soil. Jesus puts it that way when he talks about the four soils. And what do you need for healthy soil? You need water and you need sun. You need essential nutrients. You get a healthy garden. And then the other miracle that happens is that starts choking out the weeds. Because when healthy things grow in our lives, that's part of the process of God getting rid of other things. And so God wants your life and my life to be the best life as we're transformed and we become people of honor and integrity in all areas. But how do you make the soil good in your life? Don't try to do it yourself. Otherwise, you become like a 12-year-old kid out in the garden trying to dig up weeds really quickly and saying, I'm all done, Mom. And Mom's saying, it doesn't come out that easily. Doesn't happen that quickly, son. You can't just pull that weed out and think that it's gone and she gives you a big tool to dig on it and then the super garden inspector, Lenora Cushing, that's my mom's name, comes out and does some inspection and says, nope, you got some more work to do here. What I like to say, that means we need to assemble our prayer team. If you and I are going to deal with stuff in our lives, don't do it alone. Who's on your team? Who prays with you? Who are the people in your life that you can be honest with and you can say, I'm struggling in this area and I need you to help me? In verses 15 through 17 of chapter 4, Esther, having been confronted with Mordecai, that she had a problem in her life because she had been dishonest and she'd let fear take over her life, finally comes to the conclusion that she needs to deal with who she is. And then Esther sends his reply back to Mordecai. Go and gather all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go see the king. And if I must die, I must die. And so Mordecai went and did everything that, or, that Esther ordered him. She assembled her prayer warriors. She asked her church to pray for her. She said, let everybody know that I'm struggling. I got a problem here, and I need to deal with it. And she was honest about it, and other people prayed for her. And then she went to the people who were closest to her, and she said, will you all pray for me? She took her inner circle. Who's our inner circle? Satan wants us isolated, alone, fearful, believing we can't deal with the stuff that we failed in the past. God wants us transformed and holy and in the image of his son, Jesus. It's a high calling that was there for Haman, and it was there for Esther. Are we struggling with something in our life? Anything. Maybe what we're struggling with is we don't find our voice to speak up when we see something else that's wrong, and we're fearful, and we don't want to say anything. That's also a weed. Maybe we're dealing with something that God needs to change and transform. 
We end each service with a time of prayer. It's hard to come forward for prayer. I know because I've done it myself a few times. It takes boldness to just get up and walk and say, pray for me. A few weeks ago, Pastor David preached a message on finishing well, and I realize I'm finishing my time in the United Methodist Church. On May 29th, I will have been a United Methodist pastor for 40 years. And on July 1st, I will not be a United Methodist pastor anymore. I want to finish well. I want to do the right thing and live with integrity. So I came forward for prayer. It's okay to do. If you're struggling with something, if there's any area of your life, even if you're not comfortable saying this is what it is, but just say there's something I just need you to pray for, I invite you to come forward. I also would like some of the elders to come forward. They're here to pray with you. Bob? Tom? Yeah. God's desire is the same desire he had thousands of years ago for Esther and Haman. One young woman learned to deal with it. She learned to deal with her fear and God transformed her and a miracle took place and the nation was saved and today a holiday is to continue to celebrate it. The other one never dealt with it. He thought it was okay to live with anger and bitterness and he ended up losing his life for it. May God transform our lives this day. And let us stand together as we sing.